The Charlotte Hornets win the weekend, but they finished 10th this year in the Eastern Conference. Was it a successful season? We make the case for the Charlotte Hornets reaching the playoffs, and we try to make the case for them not reaching the playoffs. Plus, is Gordon Hayward ever going to suit up for Charlotte once again? We'll talk about all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. Check us out. We're free and we're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. And you can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L O H, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. And that concludes a regular season for the Charlotte Hornets, Doug. And they finished 43 and 39. Usually, that's good enough to get you in the playoffs outright. It's usually good enough for an eight spot, maybe even a seven spot in years past, at least to host a win and in scenario game for this new format that they have in the postseason. And before that, you would have just had an outright series against the first or second seed in the Eastern Conference. This year, not so much. I remember talking about this with Keith Smith when you were gone, and he said the Eastern Conference has not been this good probably since the 90s when Michael Jordan was ruining everybody's chances of representing the East to get to the NBA Finals. So Charlotte, despite finishing four games above 500, the last time they finished this with this well of a record, I think it was the Charlotte Bobcats that made the postseason as an eight seed when they finished with this type of record. So usually it's good enough, but the Eastern Conference was so good, Doug, like, you know, they beat Chicago. They start off 11 for 11, just an amazing offensive outpour. And they never looked back. They had that game under control. This one, they had to separate themselves a little bit in the second half against Washington, but they did. So let's toss it to you. Like after this weekend, excellent job taking care of business, clinching the 10 seed. But does all of that encompass a successful season for the Charlotte Hornets to you? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they haven't won this many games since uh, the 15-16 season when they won 48 uh, games. And it was a similar scenario, but different, similar in that they were bunched up together with a bunch of teams. And uh, they, you know, didn't, uh, didn't that last final day didn't really fall their way in 15-16 either. And they fell to the sixth seed. They had the opportunity to be as high as three but they ended up being the sixth seed playing the Miami Heat. This time they had the opportunity to even be, there was one scenario that had them in the seventh seed and all they needed was for Brooklyn to lose. And they would have been the eighth seed, no matter uh, had Atlanta lost or not or won. And they didn't get any of those scenarios to fall their way. And they end up uh, the 10th seed. Just want to track back and say, and you know, I got to fulfill some obligations here. I said that, um, you know, if they, beat Washington, that's not a big win. If they beat Chicago, but just barely, that's not a big win. But if they blow Chicago out, that's right. then it is a big dub. So I'm going to put the big dub hat on very briefly for the Chicago win. It was just, you know, again, you talked about it. They blitzed them offensively. Yeah. They didn't look back, although they also, I felt like, didn't really – they could have annihilated the Bulls, and they sort of let the Bulls slowly get back in towards the end of that game. They didn't go full annihilate. And then the Wizards, see, I'm going to take it off for the Wizards game, though, because <laughs> we got to see it. At least we got to say goodbye. Like, so thank you, yeah, Mr. Right, Big yeah, Dove Hat. At least time. for the regular season, we got to say goodbye. 
but that Wizards game was so frustrating. After the game, Miles Bridges said we were messing around, you know, for the first three quarters. And then they, they had to talk about it the fourth quarter. Hey, we want to make the playoffs. It's like game 82, Walker. Game oh, 82, mean, and you're talking about, hey, we have to really buckle down in this final quarter so that we can I can't be surprised win. anymore. I refuse to be. Like, I, I was so, done with that narrative, like, by game 65. Yeah, and it right. happens again. And so, like, tying all of this back into your question about whether this is a successful season, I would say in the long-term view, yes, players got better. Players developed. LaMelo was much better at the end of this season than he started this season, which was pretty great because he's an all-star and rookie of the year and all of that. So to improve off of that is is awesome. Miles Bridges is a much better offensive player than he was a, a season ago. Uh, you know, there were several te- – I mean, Terry Rozier continues to produce well in the fourth quarter for this team – all kinds of players got better. It's nice to see Jalen McDaniels finally playing better. That's yeah. going to be important for them moving really forward good. if they can if they can retain his services because he's young and and uh, you know a cheap roster piece. So on the long term, yes. And look, they had a winning record. I said Borrego winning record or bust. He gets a winning record. But in the short term, like I just felt like this team underachieved a little bit. Uh, I just felt like this team could have done just a little bit better, closed out some of these games. They gave, they gave us hope. They gave us promise. I didn't feel like this team was ever going to be like a legitimate threat in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs because of some of the deficiencies they had. But but I still think they could have been better than the 10th seed. I mean, if we're not talking play-in, you know, they're out of the playoffs right now and they're they're not doing anything. And that's I think that's a disappointment to most Hornets fans. Yeah, and I did not set you up well. Like, it, it sucks that we can't really talk about the Chicago game because of how insane it was. I mean, that was one of the crazier starts to an NBA game this season where nobody missed. 11 of 11. I mean, crazy. <laughs> and then they just, uh, Chicago never had a shot. Like, I think they brought it within 10 after that start, but that was the closest. And they're got. miserable. I mean, that's the thing, yeah. too. Chicago, you have to take with a grain of salt if you didn't know going into that game. Like, they are playing miserably right now. They don't have Lonzo. They're, they're eat up with all kinds of injuries and getting players back. They're not communicating well. It just seems like a full-on disaster in Chicago. They're probably not long for these playoffs. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, I think Tim Legler on ESPN said, look, they're going to get swept. Like, if not, then it's going to be some yeah. gentleman sweep because I believe they have Milwaukee in the first round. Yikes. A lot of people think <laughs> they're good. Yeah, a lot of people think they're, they're playing so well now. You know, it's, it's probably the team you most want to avoid in the Eastern Conference at this point, yeah. which is great for Charlotte. I mean, we'll get to this more in the second segment. If they find themselves in the playoffs, they are going to play the Miami Heat because they have to win this 9-10 matchup. If they lose, season over. Done. If they win, then they'll play the loser of that 7-8 matchup. And if the Hornets win again, then they get that 8 seed. They'll have a 7-game series against the Miami Heat or 4-game series, however they win. You get the idea. We'll see if it can happen. Um, As far as what I think about the Hornets having a successful season, man, like, God, I hate to be the fence sitter. I hate it. But if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that Charlotte finishes 43 and 39, LaMelo takes a step up as an all-star, Miles Bridges is going to be an MIP contention. If I tell you PJ Washington explodes defensively and becomes a huge valuable piece on that end, Terry Rozier puts up similar numbers. If I told you all of that, It would, I mean, God, I don't know how many people would have said that was a disappointment, right? To have 10 more games that you've won this year than last year, but baked into the cake in those expectations is the fact that the other Eastern conference teams don't finish as well as they did, at least at the bottom, you know, baked in that cake is the fact that you're better than Atlanta. You're better than Cleveland. Certainly 
maybe even Chicago based on how high you were on them at the beginning of the season. So the Charlotte Hornets get 10 games better. They finish four games above 500, but every other Eastern conference team does too. And it's just that they made a few more moves. They had a few more pieces in place in the first place than the Charlotte Hornets who get better, but just not as much as everybody else around them. And so that's what makes this tough for me. I kind of agree with you. Lamella was awesome. And the last 10 games, we can get to that in the, in the last segment, but he was great this year after being denied that opportunity because of his fractured wrist. You mentioned Miles Bridges, who had bookend strong starts, stretches, right? Start and finish. Miles was really good. We can get to the individual stuff, player capsule-wise, as the offseason goes on. Long-term, you did see a lot of growth. Short-term, you lose to the Pistons, you lose to the Magic, you lose to the Rockets. Like, you had a loss to the worst teams in the NBA. You were 0-7 in overtime. Talk about missed opportunity. If you win two of those games, it's a completely different story that we're talking about. And what do they finish? The win against Chicago helps, but at that point, they're 2-14 and 14 the second night of back-to-backs. Can you win yeah. three more of those games and still have an awful winning percentage? Like, those are the types of things that are kind of tough, ifs and buts. I yeah. hate doing all that stuff. But, like, can you get four more victories in those games where you probably should have pulled out those victories and then just well that's why that's why i say they they underachieved i think individually you saw great development that can lead to big things depending on the moves they make in the offseason into next year so there's hope there but as a team together i think they underachieved and i think there were countless examples of either disastrous defensive quarters where they would allow 40 plus points and and would ruin the entire game or just when they just came out in the first quarter not ready to play basketball and time and time again what did we hear over and over urgency you know the feeling that urgency and they just couldn't do it and even in this final game against the Washington against the Washington Wizards again barely a team just like the Magic they're throwing out G League level talent they had given up at least as a you know as an organization the players that were playing that night of course are not giving up but they had functionally given up and the hornets had a difficult time putting them away because they were in miles bridges words messing in game 82 yeah so as a team i just didn't feel i felt like they underachieved so from that perspective short term i feel like this was a disappointing season um but I think from an organizational, like I think from their perspective, this was successful in that they had a winning record. It was better than last season. They had individual uh, performers playing better. And, you know, depending on the moves, if they finally make a move to, f- to find a center, you know, may- maybe they're well positioned next season. Yeah, they were two and five in February. That's the stretch that February is the month that did them in with some awful awful basketball really in that month and a half stretch. But if you just look at it within that kind of set, nice, okay, February, what'd they do? It was really bad. And you're right. Like that's, you know, there were a couple of things in the roller coaster season that James Brago described that brought them down to this position. All right, Doug, let's make the case for the Charlotte Hornets to make the playoffs. I had to look at the case that would keep the Charlotte Hornets from making the playoffs. We'll do that next, but not before we talk about Built Bar because it's that time of year. I know a lot of people have given up on New Year's resolutions, especially when it comes to staying fit. Maybe you did a good job in February. Maybe you did a good job at the really at the beginning of all of this in January, and you started to teeter off a little bit. Go to Built.com. Help yourself out. Get some delicious Built Bars that are covered in 100% real chocolate, but they're healthy for you as well. They're low in calories. They're high in protein. They're low in sugar, but they're high in fiber. So go to Built.com. 
right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Also want to send a message to you from Camp Lejeune for listeners who served in or worked for the United States Marine Corps or have family or friends you might have. I wanted to notify you of an available resource. From 1953 to 1987, personnel assigned to Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune were potentially exposed to contaminated drinking water. The Marine Corps has since partnered with health agencies to conduct scientific studies to assess impacts from these potential exposures. And they are working to keep those Marines, their families, and civilian employees informed with updates and resources available to them. If you or someone you know may have been at Camp Lejeune during those years, please consider registering with the Camp Lejeune Historic Drinking Water Notification Database. You can learn more and register at www.marines.mil slash CL water. That's www.marines.mil slash CL water. Let's make the case the horn for the Hornets each way, making the playoffs coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And, and listen, as long as you play James Booknight, a win will always be inside. Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen every day. Right? We are free. <laughs> And available. He'll, he'll, on, they'll show some fight. All your on all your platforms. Now make your second listen. Locked on bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, Doug. They have the Atlanta Hawks up. They play them next in that nine ten matchup on Wednesday. So you have a couple of days to get ready for this game against Atlanta. And then you will face them. Atlanta will be hosting this one. So Charlotte, they just didn't get any help this weekend. You know, they beat Chicago, as we mentioned. It was a huge win, right? So they had three games in a row that they won. They beat Chicago. They beat Washington in this most recent contest. And they did take care of business against the Orlando Magic the other night, as we talked about on Friday. But Cleveland ends up winning. Brooklyn ends up winning. Atlanta ends up winning. So zero help. This is how the Hornets are in this position, playing a uh, a play-in game against the Hawks in that 10 spot. What do you think the Hornets have to do in order to make the playoffs? Why do you think, if you were to put this hat on, that they actually get to that eighth seed to have a series against the Miami Heat? Well, they have to shoot the ball incredibly well, right? I mean, they have to play fantastic offense. They really can't afford to have an off-shooting night against Atlanta, a team that is not really known for playing great defense either. I mean, that's to me, that's the biggest sort of uh, hope that I hang my big dub hat on is that, you know, a lot of these teams in this play and don't play great defense either. It's really when you get into the uh, – into the actual playoffs and have to play the Miami Heat that you really worry about that in particular. Now, maybe Cleveland, you know, that that matchup scares me. And obviously Brooklyn, either of those matchups scare me because Brooklyn has such great talent and Kyrie Irving has shown the ability to knock out the Hornets single-handedly and not even factoring in Kevin Durant or even a possible appearance by Ben Simmons, although it looks like he may wait to the first round to make his appearance finally. Uh, But you know, I think it's really comes down to shooting, right? I mean, it's it's got to be just everyone firing on all cylinders. This team has the capability of putting up 140 points in regulation, and I think it's going to take somewhere in the 125 to 130 range to knock these teams off. Look, the fact that you're playing the Atlanta Hawks, the case I'll make is you've defended Trey Young pretty damn well throughout his yeah. career. And if you can do exactly what you did on March 16th, Charlotte Hornets, they're moving on especially with the way that they've been able to close some games here recently. Washington, they played with their food, but in the fourth quarter, they took care of business. 
as late as it took, and it should not have come to that, but they did take care of against the Hawks. Remember, that was the game where I blinked, and all of a sudden there was this 10-point separation, and it, it just happened out of nowhere because P.J. Washington ballistic in the final period. In that game, Trey Young was only 3 of 12, so shot 25%, had 15 assists, which is a lot, but also only scored but nine points. Uh, we'll take that mm -hmm. every single day. In fact, if you look back, at every single game, Trey Young has played since the beginning of 2021. So, January 6th, here's the field goal percentages that he's posted in each matchup against the Hornets starting January 6th. 22%, 26%, 33%, 40%, 45%, January 23rd, 2022. That's the highest. And then he shot 25. Man, if you hold Trey Young to under 40, you're going to get a shot. And he might get all of assists, and that's fine. Allow the other guys to beat you. But that's why the Charlotte Hornets can move on against the Hawks. And then the other case is, if it's Cleveland, <laughs> then they've been a team that has been really, I've said snake bitten a million times, like they've been hurt a lot by injuries. Can you deal with those big guys who they out-rebound? Match up against the Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. And if you can post that type of performance, that's how they get to the eighth seed against the Miami Heat. Yeah, and I'll throw a couple of other things. I mean, the Hornets have been a good road team this year. I mean, they were, I think they finished the season 21 and 20, maybe, yeah, 21 and 20. That makes sense. Um, and uh, that's unusual, I think, for a 10th seed to, to play that well on the road. And they've beaten all of the teams that they will possibly face in this playoff. They've beaten them at their house. So there is precedent. Um, the Hornets got that, you know, last matchup against the Hawks and they did it in a close matchup. You know, it wasn't one of these situations where, you know, they were blowing them out initially. In fact, I think they were down at half. They ended up winning 116 to 106. Yeah. 31 point fourth quarter. A lot of that PJ Washington, different guys are going to have to step up. I mean, I, I just think they really I think they have to play perfect offense. They were, they finished the year third in the NBA in assist percentage, uh, I believe they were eighth in three-point percentage. Uh, that's all going to have to continue. I don't. I don't believe they are going to win a game scoring under 110 points. No, they're not going to do that. In fact, they could lose a game scoring 115 pretty easily. They could get blown out, as we've seen. Right? They got beat by 30 two times in a row when they scored 114 and 115, and it was a 30-point victory <laughs> they lost. And as we so as we shift to the case, so that was the case that they could, you know, make a run. I'll, I'll add one more thing too. We have this variable of Lamelo Ball has played really well when the lights were brightest, when they needed Lamelo Ball to play well. He's had a couple of clutch moments this season that have shown the growth in that area. And so, like, I'm not discounting the fact, I'm not discounting the possibility that Lamelo Ball could just say, "All right." time to take over. This is my moment. This is my narrative moment. I'm going to take over and make this thing happen for the Hornets and lead them into the playoffs. It would be a great story. I would love that story. Um, it's going to have, have to happen for him on both ends of the floor, right? I mean, it's got to happen offensively, but it also has to happen defensively for him and, and so many of these other players. So that's one more thing. But as we turn the case to why they won't make it, I look at Trey Young and I say, yes, I, I, I hear you, Walker, that they've been able to shut him down in the regular season. I think, I just think it's, it's so much of this play in, play off is about the best players on your team turning it up to a different level. 
And I think Trey Young has that ability every time he steps on the floor. It's it scares the life out of me. Hopefully the Hornets, you know, use whatever you know they they posted that thing, you know, the the blowout, the box score from the Indiana Pacers blowout in the play, and they posted that above above their practice floor. Hopefully they bring some of that attitude because they're gonna they're gonna need it because I think Trey Young's gonna throw everything he has at the Hornets. Trey Young's a gamer. There's no doubt about it. Like this is somebody that lives for this certified moment, and and he is gamer. He's, he he's certified. I'm gonna he's, ask. We're gonna talk to Brad Roland yeah. tomorrow, the host of the Hawks. I'm gonna ask him. Trey Young, have you given him the certificate, the certified gamer? I'm sure he would have had he known about it. <laughs> if, if he listens to this, then I'm sure he would have. And he did it in Madison Square Garden and against the Philadelphia 76ers to actually actually get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, he's he's had some success uh, early on in his career. Also, if LaMelo has a lot more turnovers, but he's been turning the ball over a little bit more recently, that's the only thing that you ask him to get in check because he's been crazy, crazy good offensively in the last 10 games. He's just turning it over more. Can you post less turnovers, go off yourself, and then Trey Young? I think that would really help. So the case against the Charlotte Hornets, do they just get destroyed by Clint Capella and have some of these other guys like the bench go off on them because McDaniels, maybe Cody Martin, some of these other guys aren't ready for the moment. And... Atlanta is singing the praises of what are usually unsung heroes. Like I, I, that's what I'm nervous about. And if Terry Rozier, can he show up the other quarters, except the fourth quarter, like, look, it's great, but we need you to score even actually probably in the first, second and third too. We're going to have to have you do that. Miles bridges. Can you continue to bail us out in a half court set? And if he can't, if those things don't happen, then the Hornets lose the season's over and boy, it, it's funny, man. Like you talk about, is this Hornet season a success? The regular season is done. And so we can kind of appropriately have that conversation, but a lot still does hinge on what happens in this game Wednesday night. And if they lose, especially if they lose by uh, a point, double digits, get blown out. Each of those factors have a lot to do with how we view this season overall, because it was a bad taste after that Indiana loss. It's like, oh God, I forgot everything good we did. Is it going to be the same? The answer is yes, because we always operate under the, what have you done for me lately mantra? Ah, I mean, like, I, I hope, I hope they don't get destroyed, man, because then it's going to, it's going to ruin. And I'm not even saying undeservedly. So like, it's going to ruin a lot of the good feelings you might've had about some developments this year. Uh, another factor that could mean that the Hornets have an early exit from the play-in is the fact that Atlanta is closing out the season playing well. Uh, mm -hmm. They've won um, seven out of their last nine games. They took a loss, 10-point loss to the Raptors and a close loss to the Miami Heat, but they also beat Brooklyn. They beat Cleveland. I mean, and they beat Golden State. Uh, this wasn't... It's not a situation where they were, and it was all Trey Young. I mean, a lot of these point totals are 41, 30, 36, 30, 35. I mean, Young is the only one. They, they beat Indiana and Bogdanovich had 29, but it yeah. was all, I mean, it's Trey Young, just double-double after double-double uh, points and assists. Um, it's pretty nuts. Um, I'm scared of Trey Young. And if they somehow do get beyond Atlanta, which is certainly a possibility, you know, I don't, John um, John Collins has been out indefinitely, and I don't think he's going to play in this play. And I'd be very surprised if that happens if they haven't already declared him out. Um, but even if they get by them, then they have to face Cleveland, who's feeling more confident, and Brooklyn, who you know is is on a mission to uh, get into these playoffs. They've they've been this sort of 
um, kind of under the radar because uh, they've they've just been <laughs> they've been dealing with all kinds of issues this season and now they're in the play-in. But everyone expects them to get in the playoffs, and I think they're going you know to turn it up to another level. So, and I I, I think the case against them making the playoffs is probably stronger than them making the playoffs, sure. which means Walker, which means that if they do make the playoffs, then that's a hell of a story. Sure. I'll go with that. I like to talk about that more so than the disappointment of them not making it. And by the way, just as the Hawks and Trey young are, is playing very well Cavs, they did win their last game, but it was against the Milwaukee team that had no interest in winning because they were cemented in that spot. In fact, well, Drew, I, Drew yeah. holiday had Drew holiday had an interest in making $225,000. Of course. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah. he enters the game. Uh, takes does a take foul and then exits the game only to get the one game that he needed uh, to hit one of his contractual bonuses. Oh, it's so good. It's funny. Like he's got that. He's got that stipulation in his contract. Like that's 225 for doing that. It's an amazing amount of money. I understand what these guys are making. Okay. 225,000 is still an amazing amount of money and it's hilarious. All right, go in there foul Darius Garland and he's laughing by the way which I thought was the greatest part of that Darius knows because everybody coming. knew yeah it was great so Drew Holiday fouls Giannis is kind of laughing over there from the sideline Cavs win that one but they lost I think the three games prior and that includes a contest to the Orlando Magic so you know they're not exactly playing the best they still have Darius Garland playing well Laurie Markkinen you know he uh he's still on the team right Evan Mobley comes back from it like they've got some talent but that's what I'm saying I mean I just well. feel I, I feel I feel like uh yeah they ended the season poorly but it's a bad matchup for the Hornets the Cavs um <laughs> other than Atlanta you know all of these matchups are bad like I, I don't like them against Cleveland I don't love them against Brooklyn I know they've beaten Brooklyn I get it I just and, and all of this really Walker boils down to me and what what everything has boiled down to this entire season with, with my analysis of where the Hornets are and where they could go in the playoffs, which is the playoffs are different. Like it's just mm -hmm. a different game, and you're going to see it on on full display against Atlanta. And if they make it past Atlanta, you're going to see it again. Uh, it's just a different beast. Players turn it up in a way that they don't in the regular season, and you just got to throw so much of this out the window and say, you know, what are these teams made of? And I just haven't seen much evidence that the Hornets, a team that doesn't have like overwhelming talent, I haven't seen that that thing that like makes you a tough team in the playoffs when you don't have a lot of talent. I saw that in 15-16. I was like, hey, this team, you know, Jeremy Lin, Nick Batum, you know, we all know the history there, but he turned it up. And Kimball Walker was going to another level. I'm like, this team could be pesky in the playoffs if they get there. And they certainly were, just didn't have enough. I just don't feel that same way because they were messing around in the first three quarters of their final game against the Washington Wizards. Every team has to start somewhere. And you're hoping that that last box score against the Indiana Pacers is enough to somehow you know, hype them up for this game and to try to figure out, all right, this is the time where we can show that we are ready for this moment, hopefully even get to the playoffs outright. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, leagues, reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season already underway. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline where the game starts. I want to talk about LaMelo Ball's last 10 games because they were nuts and 
reluctantly so, we'll talk about Gordon Hayward, who, yeah, is going to miss the play-in tournament after returning once for Philadelphia, playing sparingly. That's still to come on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaf's a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I wanted to look at LaMelo Ball's line to end the season because it just feels like he had turned a corner even for how well Mm -hmm. he was playing. Even beyond 10 games, but 10 games, it's a nice set number. We know that he came last year and returned for the final 10 games of the season after that wrist injury. And the shooting percentage is actually somewhat plummeted because it was still bothering him. LaMelo told you that. You could watch him on the floor and he would mess with it, you know, constantly. Um, right. And it just, it, you could see that he was a different player. This year, you can even go beyond the 10 games, but just to settle on a nice number. The last 10 games LaMelo finished with this season, (laughs) he posted averaging 23 points per game. He did so on 47% shooting from the field, close to 46% shooting from three. He averaged over six rebounds. He averaged over nine assists. The numbers are pretty staggering for a guy that needed to play well for this team to win in Mm -hmm. crunch time compared to the other games this season did so. And at least they were able to cement themselves to get in the play-in spot. They had a couple of losses that you didn't love, but they were against good opponents. They got blown out, but they were against good opponents, and they took care of the opponents they needed to in order to at least build off of some type of momentum, winning basketball games, heading into the play-in. A lot of that had to do with LaMelo turning it up. Now, he's been amazing the last 10, really the last like two months kind of of the year. I think he's shown you something different, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the highlight plays have been incredible, but beyond that, I mean, he's fundamentally changed the way the Charlotte Hornets play offense. Um, he has sped them up in in great ways, um, both with his you know crazy, out-of-this-world anticipation defensively to get steals and get them into transitions, but also, I mean, even on missed buckets, made buckets, it doesn't matter. He's getting the team into transition, and I think one of the big differences between this season and last season is is how he's played uh, with, and especially this this last stretch, I think, is how he's played with the bench unit. I mean, he changes the game with his pass. He's making players better. They finally delivered him a big that can finish on the roll and finish these pocket passes that he's so good at throwing. Montrezl Harrell has been a, a revolution for LaMelo Ball, and if they can continue to get him those kind of players, if they can you know, facilitate his growth in that way, then the sky's the limit. I mean, with all look, you, we can look at all the raw numbers and say, like, wow, you know, he's one of five players to average this, this, and this for a season. We can look at all of that, and that's great. That's amazing. That, that pretends great things. But there are areas of growth, which we've talked about all season, which you're, you're only going to hear on this show because we're putting the microscope to the game. And if he continues to address those areas of growth, then he has the superstar ability. Like he had, that's the ceiling. Superstar is the ceiling. And it's, it's been so fun to watch. 
And I, I really like, I I'm already anticipating. It's like, I just watched this uh, show on Apple TV plus severance. And I, I was talking to a friend who also watched it and the season finale came and it was a cliffhanger. And, um, we, we were both like angry that it was over. How dare you leave us on this cliffhanger? And I, I said to him, any great season of television that ends on a cliffhanger makes you angry makes you somewhat mm-hmm. irrationally angry. Like, I'm angry at a television show. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't mean anything. But the same thing, this season is over, and, and the regular season is over. We'll see what happens in the play-in. But when it's over, I'm going to be irrationally angry that it's over because I want to continue to see where LaMelo Ball is going to go. Oh, that's going to be great. Us doing those shows with you being irrationally angry, the interrupting, the takes. Ugh. I mean, no Ugh. hot take machine. <laughs> Just already a curmudgeon. Um and so I wonder if this makes you irrationally angry as well. Maybe not so irrationally this Gordon Hayward. So he comes in as a scratch against the Washington. Great segue. Yeah, Great segue. I mean, look, I love it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Oh, I know. Segue. I know you are like, it's, it's bad. Like it's even to the point where we acknowledged how important he was at the middle of the season. You still were a little scared. And it was a worthwhile discussion because this type of thing could absolutely happen because Gordon missed at the end of last year, I mean, too, like in addition to what he's been doing this year, which is not playing. So Charlotte Hornets announced Sunday morning that Gordon Hayward will miss the team's upcoming play-in game with continued, quote, discomfort in his left foot. Hayward's expected to be placed into a cast and will be re-evaluated in two weeks. What I hear from that, he done. Like he's not coming back in the postseason unless the Hornets have some type of, you know, deep run in a series with Miami. I'm not entertaining the idea of them beating the heat. I'm saying some type of like six game series. They make Miami. Well, and at that point you're not changing anything. Correct. You're not changing the game up. I mean, you saw like Borrego was reticent to bring him back into the starting lineup, even in that first game that he came back. So yeah, if they're making a deep run, you're not touching that lineup. All correct. So he's done. Gordon Hayward's not coming back. And you saw the scratch for him against Washington. You saw this and it all started again, right? After he played sparingly against Philadelphia, finishing the end of quarters, not playing a ton, and then couldn't suit up the following weekend after two days rest. Now he's done like this. This is what scares you about Gordon because there's this timeline. Gordon Hayward is supposed to come back. He doesn't come back at the end of the timeline. And then he doesn't play again. This is the second year in a row where he has not returned by the expected end of the timeline. Second year in a row. I mean, how do you trust that guy? You can't. Well, second year in a row under a nearly $30 million a year deal over these past two years. I mean, they've nearly paid him $60 million. And I saw the stat from our guy, Rod Boone, over at the Charlotte Observer. He's participated in 59 point something or other percent of the games, the available games that he could play for the Charlotte Hornets. That is difficult to swallow when you consider that they've tied up $60 million in contract money, $30 million in cap space every year, and they still have two more years left on this deal at 30 and $31.5 million. <laughs> you know, like I'll say this. We all made a big to-do about Nick Batum, and and some of it was fair, and some of it was unfair, but I'll just say Nick Batum got them to a first-round playoff series, you know, where he was part of it. it. I mean, Nick Batum was a legitimate part oh, no. of the Charlotte Hornets making 
could have been a third seed. You're exploring Batum wins. territory. Batum was a serious part of that and then got hurt and and you know was a little lame in that in that final in that series, which they almost still almost won. Um and Gordon has not even gotten close to that Nick Batum level of one year production uh, so, or, or results. Yeah. And maybe some, some of this can go on the way the Hornets have handled them, you know, because we all knew this was going to be a problem with Gordon. But when you look at the 45, okay, but I, can I, can I just, can I stop you for just a second? Sure. That's fine. At least I asked this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. That's right. Yeah, that's fine. Let's please, please. I just want to say this. Like, yeah, if you're paying a guy thirty million dollars a year, you shouldn't have to treat that player, you know, with with gloves on. You know, like it's some like priceless thing that you got to put in a glass case. Un- you unless know, on a you pillow. knew the predicament you were going to get in in the first I place. Yes. I mean, yes. no, you're right. Like, it sucks. I'm not going to blame Gordon Hayward for making 30 million. We're never going to blame a player no, for making sure. this money. It's going to be the team. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame Drew holiday for entering a game and doing a take foul, making 225,000. No, Those I will are, praise him the for rules. Doing that. Yeah. I will praise him for doing that. That's my favorite thing that I've seen this year is Drew holiday making 225 K <laughs> off of coming in and fouling and immediately exiting. But you look at the 45 games, right? The first 45 games of the season, Gordon Hayward, I think he takes one rest and I forget what it was. And it was against Utah, December 20th, but that's it. And in those games, Gordon plays over 33 minutes per contest. Now his line is really good. Like it's a good stat line, but he plays 45 uh, games, 33 minutes per each one of those games done. After that done, he comes back for three games, puts up 29, 21, six, comes back against Philadelphia, puts up 1650. These are minutes logged. Done. All right. Like he helps you out in the first half, but then you got to kind of figure out how to play without him when you rely that much on him. And then you figure it out at the end of the season. But by that time, you can't make up enough ground to climb up the standings. And maybe you can continue that momentum heading into this play in and postseason, but it's tough. And you're paying that guy 30 a million a year. It has been an unmitigated uh, disaster, and um, if they lose in the play-in, these two years will be two play-in losses that you've gotten for your trouble, and Gordon hasn't even played in the play-ins that you've lost. Um, I I know, and you know, props to the players for saying all the right things. They're saying, you know, we've been playing a long time without him. Um, It's a tough situation, but Gordon's been a great vet in the locker room. Everybody's saying the right things. But I just I can't imagine that if you're a player in the locker room, you're focused on the day to day. But if you take a step back after the season, they got to be frustrated. The organization has to be frustrated. Um, But they but as you said, I mean, they knew all of this going in. They took the risk and it is not paying off. And now the question is, how do you get out of it? Can you get out of it? Is it possible with his value probably lower than it's ever been? You're you're going to have to, you know, really take back something pretty awful if you want to move this contract um and it might be named russell westbrook yeah we're, we're, i think we're gonna have a lot of that discussion this offseason it's probably look just go ahead and get ready for that listeners like it's an important sure. thing trying to move off of that contract how can you do it we're going to talk a lot about those scenarios do you wait for a team to get desperate do you jump at the chance even if you do have to get rid of some assets we're going to be talking about a lot of that this offseason but it's not here yet doug the offseason, it's not Play here it. yet. 
We're the ten seed. Yeah. Hornets playing. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow, we should be having on Brad Rowland, and he should be having on uh, us on crossover mm-hmm. episode for Locked On Hawks and Locked On Hornets. Brad Rowland, one of the better hosts out there, the dude that knows his team the best. He's awesome. So we're going to get all of that information from him on this Atlanta Hawks team that the Hornets will be playing in the play-in game on Wednesday night. Make your second list in Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes it's free and available wherever you get your podcast tomorrow brad roland hopefully you have a great rest of your day